Hey everyone, welcome to 49ers After Dark. I'm Grant Cohn, that's Jesse Naylor. He has a better microphone than me, but he's going to tell me how to buy it so I can get it and not install it. I have a really nice camera, it's sitting right here. Theoretically, I have a good setup. It's just... Anyway, good to see you. Thanks for coming and watching our show. <laughs> how you doing, Jesse? I'm doing fantastic, Grant. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me back. You know, I, you never know. You leave for a week. You might get replaced around here. It's it's tough competition out here on the Grant Cohen Yeah, show. I had to think about it. I was like, do I still like Jesse? Yeah, I guess I do. Jacob right, is a member. Thank you very much. Dave Barclay says Grant, which is like what Jimmy Ward said, and now it's like what Jawan Jennings said. It's the new battle cry. When you know you're really good, you got to shout me out, and I respect it because you know what? I don't think I want to criticize Juwan Jennings anymore. I feel like, you know what? You're a really good player. He's pretty and, good. Uh, He's pretty good. If you drop passes in training camp, I might give you the benefit of the doubt from now on. Dave has issue with us being three minutes late. You know what, Dave? <laughs> there was traffic. You have no idea how many things are in the way. California Bears says, I used to enjoy listening to Miko talk, but now I'm tired of him. He tries way too hard like he's interviewing. Well, he is interviewing. I actually think he's getting better. Like last year, he would give you this look, like this deer in the headlights look, like, dude, what do you want me to say? I'm gonna get in trouble. Now it's like, let me, I can say I have license, which I prefer. Just saying. I, I, think I actually, better. I don't know. I don't mind D'Amico Ryan's when he talks. He's definitely more buttoned up. He, I think he's a better speaker than Kyle Shanahan. I don't like listening to Kyle Shanahan talk. Too many ums and uhs. Um. And all right. Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, snacks. What's interesting is. This week is him against his underling, who is getting the. Frankly, okay, here's here's the thing. So, Kyle Shanahan is the head coach of the 49ers. Mike McDaniel hasn't proven anything yet, but Mike McDaniel's offense is a whole lot better than Kyle Shanahan's offense. And this is sort of like uh, a week for Kyle Shanahan to show something. Be creative because the other guys might show you up on your own uh, home field. So the comparison is all anyone's talking about in Miami here, how they're similar, how they're different. And yesterday I did a podcast with my dad where I brought up a story from a few years, like four years ago, of how Kyle Shanahan kind of lost it during a game when Nick Mullins didn't throw the ball exactly where he wanted it to be thrown, even though he got completions anyway. And you saw my story and kind of, uh, well, you didn't compare it to Mike McDaniel, but you had some conclusions about Kyle, and it's easy to see the difference between Kyle and Mike in this particular story. So what do you think of Kyle Shanahan's leadership style, uh, I guess, compared to Mike McDaniel's? Yeah, well, let me let me go over Kyle Shanahan's leadership style. And again, this is perception. This sure. is just based off of what he gives us. I'm not in the locker room. No idea. But right. I said many months ago that I felt like he was a passive-aggressive leader. You did. And one of the things that led me to that was the way that the... A couple things, actually. The way that the Brandon Ayuk situation unfolded. Yeah. That sounded like a conversation that he should have had early on. He, he knew should have initiated. He like. Sorry. Yeah, he should have initiated and he should have had it early on. He knew yeah. exactly what he didn't like about what Brandon Ayuk was doing. Mm. Brandon Ayuk may not have known what he was doing was wrong. And so now you've got this impasse. Maybe it's a little awkward between the two, whatever. So that's one thing that gave me a sign of who he might be a as a leader. 
And then just the way that he has trouble taking accountability in a public setting and also is willing to put down players in a public setting. Those things led me to believe that he's a passive aggressive leader. Then when I hear the story that you talked about yesterday, it really put things together for me and made me think even more that he's a passive aggressive leader. And I'm going to give you some traits that I didn't look it up online or anything crazy like that, but these are just things that I think about when I think about a passive aggressive leader. And you tell me if it sounds like Kyle Shanahan. So addressing an individual issue in a team setting, mm. which again, that Brandon Ayuk thing could certainly be it. A lot of times what a passive aggressive leader will do is they have an issue with one or two members on the team but they will address it like it's a team issue because they they're are afraid of one-on-one -on -one confrontation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that sounds like the Brandon Ayuk situation. Mm. Wanting to be liked more than respected. Certainly sounds Kyle. like Kyle. I'm Kyle. Yeah, yep. I'm your friend. Let's hang out. Trouble taking personal Co accountability. Cabo San Lucas. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and it's not only that, but you have certain groups that it seems like you're willing to do that with, but that's not an everybody thing. Yeah, there's an inner circle. Trent Williams. Right. Yeah, all that. Uh, yep, yep. Right. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. trouble taking personal accountability. I think we've talked about that a million times. And then the Kyle? other thing is this is speaking in code, man. <laughs> a lot of times what passive aggressive leaders will do is they will talk in code or in generalities, and they assume what they're saying is crystal clear. However, whoever they're delivering the message to isn't exactly getting it. And so they're doing whatever it is that the leader wants them to do wrong in the leader's eyes. But really, the communication breakdown is on the leader because he's not making, he or she is not making what they want done crystal clear to whoever it is that they're feeding the information to. That certainly seems like something that Kyle probably goes through on a regular basis. He does seem to get very frustrated in minor situations that are maybe minor to him, but he doesn't convey it in a way to his team that they're able to pick up on it. So to me, again, I don't know for sure. That was an assumption that I had of Kyle going into yesterday. I heard what you said in that article or that you'd read that article. It certainly came out more so that he's a passive aggressive leader. And what really sealed the deal for me, Grant, is the end of that article where they talked about how he freaks out in the moment and then the next day acts like nothing happened that is not something that a legitimate really good top-notch leader does in my opinion yeah and i look i don't know what you want like I, you made a very compelling case i don't know what you want to call kyle shanahan's leadership style but it, there's no denying that it's like the other end of the spectrum from mike from mike mcdaniel's leadership style and mike mcdaniel although he's a very clever coach what he's getting praised for mostly is how positive he is. That's what basically people say about him. And I think it's interesting that he was Kyle's right-hand man for damn near two decades. And he's taking Kyle Shanahan's ideas, his X's and O's. He respects all of that. He's taking that offense with him to Miami. But he's not taking Kyle Shanahan's leadership style. He was in the back seat thinking you know like the little brother like oh he's got some things that are working and maybe I wouldn't do it that way you know maybe I wouldn't talk to my quarterback that way I think it's very interesting how he's diverging from Kyle Shanahan's style uh to a degree I mean that must be premeditated well it also 
their style showed up in a real simple blurb in that article. Remember who it was in the headset Thank that you. made the joke in Thank a you. tense moment. Kyle Shanahan's super intense and pissed and, and is beside himself. And Mike's just like, yeah, Wasn't I mean, right. you know. Wasn't he right? No big deal. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Wasn't he right? Wasn't Nick he right? was right. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he, was he right? right? Yeah. But he, he he did it in a joking manner. But because he knows how to he knows how to handle Kyle, but that tells me a few things. One, he was the only person on the coaching staff who felt confident enough to stand up to Kyle mm. in the moment. And at the same time, he's the kind of guy who wants the player to be right. He he's like, "Wow, look, Nick was right." And that's and he's happy to to say that. Whereas Kyle is like in a competition with the player. Kyle needs to be right. And if there's an there's an instance where Kyle's wrong and the player's right, Kyle can't be like, you know what? Good, you were right and I was wrong. That's good. That's like McDaniel would spin that as a good thing, right? Kyle's like all of a sudden in a competition, which is short sighted. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the whole praise in public and punish in private is so big. Even as adults, Kyle Shanahan often will throw people under the bus in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. He praises people too, but he will throw people under the bus in front of everybody. Mike McDaniel, at least, you know, it's not, I don't watch every press conference, but the ones that I have watched, he does nothing of that sort. So very interesting, contrasting styles. Kyle's whole thing is I keep it real. You know, I don't pat you on the back too much here, and it's kind of tough, but if you're made of the right stuff, It'll pay off. And the people who didn't like my tough coaching, look at them now. And I bet they wish that they had been tougher. And I bet they wish that they had, okay, fine, maybe you're right. But you take those same exact ideas and put them into a Yale graduate who's really upbeat and positive, maybe it's even better. I'm just throwing it out there. And you know what? The Niners very well could win this weekend. But if they do, you better thank D'Amico Ryans, baby. That is the difference between the 49ers and the Dolphins is this defense. And you can say that Kyle Shanahan put it together, but who's to say John Lynch didn't put it together? You know what I'm saying? Like, does John Lynch get no credit? John Lynch is in the Hall of Fame. John Lynch played defense. I'm just saying that is the difference between these two teams. If we're just talking offensive guru to offensive guru, I'm taking Mike McDaniel all day. Yeah, I, I also think, well, here's what I'll say. I think Kyle's leadership style, even if I'm right, let's say I'm spot on with exactly what I'm saying, it's not necessarily the end of the world. You can still function in that reality. Your message just wears really thin. and Especially if you have D'Amico. I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, well, and, and that's it. That is actually the biggest key. If you are the, the head guy, right, you have your coaching, in this scenario, you have your coaching staff and then you have the players. As long as the players have somebody that they feel like they can go to in those yep. situations, then they're going to be fine. Mike yeah. McDaniel certainly seems to be that way. I think Sala, we would agree, is that way. D'Amico seems to be yeah. that way. But the moment Chris that you Forster. screw up and you bring in somebody that's like you, it can all go awry. So Here's the thing. That's my, my, my favorite thing about Kyle Shanahan is how self-aware he is. He knows who he is. And he knows he needs coaches who are not like him. And he keeps finding him to his credit. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Mike, Mike McDaniel knew, knew too, you know? There is some, Kyle is just, 
Okay, so before we move on, this is an interesting topic. We asked Kyle today at the press conference about McDaniel. Like, did you know he was going to – when did you realize he was going to be so good? And he was like, look, you know, he was my quality control coach. You know, I had been in the league for a while. I was at – I was in college. I was – he – it was his first thing. So I – I taught him. He was younger than me. I'd been there. I took him under my wing. I taught him. And so from Kyle's perspective, like, yeah, McDaniel's great, but he'd be nothing without me. That's true. But what Kyle went on to say was, look, McDaniel's really smart. He went to Yale, okay? I went to a good school too, Texas, but I went there as an athlete. Like, I, I, he was insinuating. I wasn't smart enough to get into Texas. So Kyle essentially got a head start on football and coaching. He grew up around it. His dad is freaking Mike Shanahan. He got he was in the league before. So what Mike McDaniel did was take this amazing intellect and ability to retain information. And what Kyle says, he just memorized everything. He memorized everything. So that was that's been the last two decades. So I'm thinking McDaniel has ta- internalized everything the Shanahans have to offer. And people just counted out McDaniel because of his quirky personality, but actually it tends to resonate with Gen Zers. It seems like it it, it resonates. And so you know what? You have this genius who took all of Shanahan's ideas and could package it in a more positive way, and it works. And really the only thing that Kyle had over McDaniel was a head start. I'm going to throw this out there too because it just came to me. So Kyle says, hey, I keep it real. Mm-hmm. And again, he thinks he does keep it real. But I think his I what he's actually doing versus what he thinks he's doing are two different things. Mm-hmm. If you're keeping it real mm-hmm. in a team setting, but you're only talking about a few players, then now the whole team is like, well, I don't do that shit. Like, why? Why are you talking about this when that's not me? Address those players personally. You have the Ayuk situation, which it seems like he was unwilling to address early on. And once they did, things were fine. Matt Ryan is another one. There's an article. There's there's a lot of talk out there that Matt Ryan is the one that after their first season together realized things were not working. It was him that put together a meeting with Shanahan to go over things, not Shanahan putting a meeting together to get on the same page. So that's two high-profile instances that we know that Kyle has essentially been unwilling to nip things in the bud on a one-to-one basis early in a process. I think that's a lot of evidence. Also, it's not the head coach's job to keep it real. It's my job to keep it real. It's the quality control job, the the analyst's job. You're the head coach. Your job is to speak into existence what could be. Like, McDaniel didn't come into Miami and be like, hey, Tua, let's keep it real. You suck. <laughs> you suck. You Look at your numbers. Let's, I mean, let's hit. Well, he came in and was like, hey, let's look at all your good plays. Let's look at what you could be. And with me as your coach, you're going to get there. And as a, as, a, as a young man in any, you're like, oh, my God, thank you. Um, this is what I wanted. God, thank you for putting this man in my life. That's how you feel, right? Like, it's a blessing. And when you get someone like Kyle, you're like, okay, this is a challenge I have to overcome. Not necessarily a blessing sent from God. It's it's different, and I'm not even religious, but you see what I'm saying. Like Absol- it's a whole absolutely. different thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, if you want any more proof that bad leadership can still result in wins, look no further than what Flores did with Miami last year. 
They were a nine-win team. I think they had a seven-game winning streak. They were one game out of the playoffs. It sounds like that was a dumpster fire. He was a dumpster fire of a leader. Chastised people. Nobody liked being there. Yeah. They still won. It's possible. And I'm not saying that everybody hates Kyle. In fact, as a passive-aggressive leader, a lot of people like you. It's just not everybody digs that style. And not everybody feels that they are comfortable enough to have a conversation with you because you have groups and silos that you really rock with, and not everybody fits under that umbrella. Also, he's coaching a really good roster. So if he wins in the regular season, like you're supposed to, you have a really good roster. What, what coaches are are uh, measured by is are you getting the m- more out of what you're given or less? And it's hard to say. I mean, so far he's gotten a little bit less. Out. This team should be 10-1 and one or whatever. It should be – yeah, he's not there. So I think the way he's going to be measured is what he does in the playoffs. I mean, it's nice that they're taking finally taking care of business come November and December, but no one cares. You got to do something in the playoffs, and we don't. You know what I mean by something. So, absolutely, yeah. I you know, and right. and Jimmy, ask Jimmy Garoppolo if he if what he feels of Kyle's leadership style. Because they've been on the outs for three or four years, it sounds like, right? And this is the most important position on your team. We question if he can develop Trey Lance. We question if he can develop quarterbacks altogether. That's the position. You got to get it. You got to get it right, man. And Mike McDaniel, he whether Tua is really that talented or not, he certainly is getting the most out of Tua Tungavailoa. Part of the reason the Niners can't move on from Jimmy is because Jimmy's the leader of the offense, not Kyle. If Kyle were the leader of the offense, they would follow whatever decision he wanted to make. But he tried to switch the quarterback, and they were like, "Like that's they would." If he were the real leader, they would trust him. But Jimmy's the leader of the offense. Why is Jimmy? Lead, why is Jimmy the leader of the offense? Because Kyle is not a leader. He's Kyle. Kyle, the the the, the dude who throws. Balls into pizza ovens. The guy, the guy who wants to be your friend. He's the passive aggressive leader. He's your buddy, but he's not. Oh, I, oh, you're my buddy, right? Until you take my snaps away from me. Until yep. you have a problem with me and you won't say it, right? And yep. then, so it's like you start off as like, oh man, I love this guy. He's hella cool. And then eventually, it's like, man, I freaking hate this guy because he's not keeping it real with me, and he thinks he is, or he says yep. that he is. Yep. So. And, like, you have a bunch of people on this team that know, know him, know him, know him, that have been with him for five years. And, you know, frankly, who's more popular in this locker room, Kyle or Jimmy? Tell me. Jimmy. So, how does Jimmy look at Kyle? So, that's how a lot of people look at Kyle in this locker room. Right? Sorry, Kyle. That's on you. Be more popular. Be like Mike McDaniel. Be more upbeat. That's on you, man. Hey. The Niners are never going to fire Kyle Shanahan. He's a le- lifetime contract, let's be honest. But if he ever wants to like do some deep searching uh, introspection, these are things to look at. Why did your number one underling go to Miami and do- take a totally different approach? He looked at you like a little brother and was like, because mm, mm, mm. frankly, last year, everyone looked at Tua as the left-handed Jimmy. Yeah. And now look at Tua. <laughs> oh my God, he believes in himself. <laughs> Well, what a, what, a, what a difference, a positive mindset. One more thing. I know Robert Sala personally. Robert Sala is religious. I'm not. I wish I were, but I'm not. Robert Sala is religious, and he's a man of faith. People of faith manifest things. They see the potential. 
and they, they make it happen. And uh, I'm not saying you have to be religious to be a good coach, but there is a, a, a there is a element of um, if you see it, you know, if you build it, they'll come. If it, taking a leap of faith, visualizing, not having to see things to believe things. Kyle has to see things to believe things. I don't know if Mike and Salah do. And as a coach, you're supposed to be able to tell each player you're going to be great if I coach you for this reason. Here's how I can make you special. Here's how I can make you special. I don't think Kyle delivers that message. I don't know. Anyway, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes. I have no idea. But it's such a – to me, yeah. like I'm I'm really into – I've said it a million times on here, but I dig leadership. I, yes. I really love looking at little intricacies and how things work and why things might be the way they are and the human element. And so to me – I I could talk about this all day long. I'll just I'll never I, I I'll never forget. I was trying to get a one on one interview with Robert Sala. Like that was gonna change my career. And at the same time I was trying to get uh the job at the Sacramento Bee covering the the Niners. Uh Barrows had just left. And I didn't get it. It went to Biederman, who's now covering they don't he's covering the Kings. They don't even have a, a Niners job anymore. And Sala called me, he was like, You wanted that job, didn't you? I was like, Yeah. He's like, You wanna know why you didn't get it, right? Like yeah and he's like well look i can't tell you but all i know is you've been doing the same thing for a long time you need to switch it up dude like you have a lot to offer the football world i i know you you have you have knowledge you have stuff to offer but you got to do things different you got to find something different you know what you should embrace video he had all this pep talk for me he was like you should embrace video you keep like if you keep doing the same thing it's a definition of insanity i'm like okay coach thanks coach i got you coach and you know now, look now I got a house, and it's like it's it should be called like the Robert Sala house, you know. And and like he is a legit teacher, coach, life. It, it means a lot to have someone be like, look at you, man. I, I've been watching you. I believe in you, but you're not doing it right. Here's what you got to do. You take these steps, your life will work out. Everyone wants someone to say that to them in life. No one wants them to really? be like Kyle and be like, hey, man, you thought you were hot shit. You ain't. You ain't. Like no, come, thanks, man. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> that might work for someone like Matt Ryan, who's been given a lot, but someone who's trying to come up, like that'll crush you. So anyway, Kyle, be more like Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel, please. That's actually, a, that's a really cool story. And I've heard you tell it before, but not on with me. And I think that's just incredible because this is a guy who, this was not his industry, but no. he knew just enough to give you some advice, but really he just showed you that he believed in you and yes. you've turned it into a whole thing, man. That's, that's yeah. incredible. Like, Literally, literally called me up. He was like, "Credit for Grant Cohn." <laughs> he literally called me up. He was like, "Hey, Grant, I've been thinking a lot about you." Pause. I was like, "This guy's hilarious. I love this guy. I love this freaking guy." Pause. I was like, "Okay, all right." But thinking a lot about you. He was at. I think it was at like the Senior Bowl, and I was just trying to get him to talk about the Senior, the 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 Super Bowl, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, I'll give you this interview, but like you and I know it's not going to make a difference. Like we need to talk about your career." I was like, "Oh, okay, thanks, man. Let's do it." So, I mean. That's cool. And then, okay, so here's an example. So I also was supposed to get a one-on-one interview with Kyle Shanahan, and he said he'd do it, never followed through. John Lynch did. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of guy Kyle Shanahan is, but I know that these other guys are men of integrity, and you start to hear, like, no one has a bad word to say about Kyle Shanahan. But at the same time, who gives, like, a real ringing endorsement of his personality? They might say he's smart. They might say, hey, man, he's a little rough, but if you stick with it, no one has to say, like, man, I freaking love him. I freaking love Kyle. Who? Who? 
Name one person who freaking loves mean. Kyle. Like every per- per- freaking person says about Mike or Salah. I love that man. I mean, Tua. Tua, my name is first born after Mike McDaniel at this point. Like no one likes Kyle like that. And you know what? Kyle, I don't even think he wants to be liked like that or deserves it. He doesn't put it in. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be too hard on him, but you got to, man, you got to be, you got to look in the mirror at some point. You got to look. Absolutely. And it, but it is, it, I will say this, it's very hard to change your leadership style and it's very hard to, it's very hard to make those changes. And in step one, if you really want to change a leadership style, in my opinion, you really have to do reflecting and it's not just a, Oh, one-time thing. This is what I need to change. It's literally every night on your way home, you're reflecting on every moment Mm -hmm. you had. I could have done this better. Okay, this went really well. I need to do more of that. And you're reflecting on every conversation and interaction you had and trying to tweak it. And then the next day, the same thing. It's you just, you have to keep at it if you truly want to change your leadership style. As a leader, the people underneath me, I would feel like no matter what my style of leading was, the end result would be I hope that each of them become better and more confident. And you can't say that about a lot of people with Kyle, like especially the quarterbacks. Is Jimmy more confident now than he was when he got here? I don't know. Ask Jimmy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. So, and then like you just hear people in Miami being like, "Oh my God!" Like I've never felt so happy. <laughs> so look, we got to move on. It's been a half an hour talking about Kyle Shanahan not being a good enough leader. Kyle, do better, and then we'll praise you. Dave Barclay <laughs> is laughing. Uh, Nathan Flores. Um, more on him in a minute. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason says I missed you guys last week. Well, it was it was the holidays. I was in says, Oregon okay. freezing. It was it, no fun. Anyways, come on. I've been wondering. Do you think we see last couple of years Niners offense on the other side of the ball this week? Big game for both teams. Yeah, I think the Niners defense is going to show up. I think they will. There's That's a lot of similarities take. between what these teams do. They just have really fast players to make it really happen. Jason says, Grant, I don't know how much of the O-line you get to see at practice, but I was wondering, does MM get any one-on-one coaching? Yeah, the Niners O-line coach is really good, and I think they definitely get the best out of Mike McGlinchey. And if they feel there's no one better than him, then there's no one better than him. They know what he is, even if they don't say it. Who in the league does J.P. Mason remind you of? Currently in the league? I don't. I don't know if there is anybody that I can think of off the top of my head. Hold on, I got a name. I got a name. Hold on. Let me make sure he's he fits. Nah. Eh, eh. He's big, man. I don't really know what to say. He's really freaking big. He runs hard. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can I don't have an in league comparison to him at all. Someone said Eddie George. He's not quite that large, but he's big. He is, yeah, he's big, but he's he's not, yeah. How I don't big feel is Jordan like Mason? That. Jordan Mason, 49ers. All right, let's see. Where they list him at? They list him at 5'11", 223. Oof, it's a big boy. Uh, big I was boy. thinking Alexander Madison from the Vikings, but he's bigger than him. I mean, he's really powerful. I don't know. How much do they, 5'11", what, 235? 223. 223. So he's, and actually an underrated, I'm not saying he's this level because this is an elite running back, but somebody that breaks actually more tackles than even Henry is Nick Chubb. 
Nick Chubb runs with a lot of power, and people don't really realize. Is he eleven? Is he five eleven two twenty three? Kind of five eleven two twenty seven. Hey, next next Nick Chubb. There we go. Hopefully, please tell me you have an over under on Jordan Mason rush yards. <coughs> nope. Right now. Nope. But now, let me tell you this: you got waxed in the last over and under we did. <laughs> Damn. Oh well. Um, I want to say, I'm not. Dude, I don't know how many, how much Christian McCaffrey is going to play in this game. I. Don't That's a concern. Know. That's a concern. Like he could play, but I don't know how much. California Bear says, "Shout out to Jesse, always coming through Wednesdays, except for last Wednesday." <laughs> Dave says, "Kyle is not a leader. Love you guys." He might even know it. I mean, his style of leader is being himself and keeping it real. Like, I don't know if that's really being a leader. Jason yeah. says, "How much does your mic cost, Jay?" It is the mic itself's two fifty, um, but I got it from for uh, free. Logitech sent it to me for free. Shout out Logitech. Logitech, hook me up. California Bear, Grant, are you allowed to bring people in the press box? No. I wish. I wish I could bring them all. Niners running backs over under 150 rushing yards. Under. Ooh. Yeah, I got to go under. David Velez says, I watched entirely too many Dolphins games this year, and it seems like their offense is everything the Niners offense should be. But they only have three great weapons instead of the Niners. Five. Oh, you're going to take a swipe at uh, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert like that, huh? <laughs> they also got Alec Ingold who's D's what's what's the three weapons though because it's the two Gesicki. wide receivers and then who else Gesicki no Gesicki's not he's not he near not? he's got to be talking about Mostert <laughs> Gesicki's Speed. pretty D's in an alternate use universe Kyle is an RPG GM <laughs> this thing's gone full circle <laughs> Dave says and how long have we been screaming to play Mason maybe Kyle can get seven instead of three. Yeah, I, I just, dude, you've had this guy on your team for this long, and you've been trying to run between the tackles at the two yard line with McCaffrey. Like, I hope they don't keep doing that. It's gonna be a rainy day game. That's the thing. Is that gonna change things? It's gonna. It's it's not gonna help offense, which should help the Niners. That should. Yeah, I was gonna say it right? shouldn't help the pass game, which should help the Niners. Only reason we shut them out was because we couldn't score. Well, listen, if you can't score, you might as well just stop them from scoring also. Zane says, hey, Grant, here's five bucks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was very nice. Nathan says, if CMC misses the game, would you run with Mason or Coleman? I prefer Mason, even though it's a small sample size. Uh, you got to go with two. You need two running backs. So both. TDP. May, it not better be TDP. TDP. No. And it's going to be Coleman. Coleman's no. going to start the – TDP's will, terrible. I'm sorry, Ty Davis, if you're watching. But Coleman's going to start if he's McCaffrey awful. doesn't play. You and I both know it. It's true. It's true. And people would be like, oh, well, does that mean that Jordan Mason isn't good in pass protection? How the hell would the Niners know? How the hell would they even give it a chance? It's just because of the knowledge of the playbook. It's like you have to like pass a written exam to get on the field for the 49ers offense. It's ridiculous. Dave says, I'm a general contractor and a veteran. I guarantee I could lead those guys better than Kyle. I promise. I just think yeah, it's fun might be to watch leader. Jeff Saturday. I mean, he lost, but like just to see a guy with zero coaching experience just go up and be like, "Look, I played on this team. You know me. I'm a legit leader. You know, I I have good I have good assistants. I'm gonna empower them, but I'm just gonna be a leader." And it's like it works. Oh my god! Wow. Owners take note. True coaching is evaluating during adversity. Go SF. 
Grant, it's called yeah. being faithful. Yeah, I mean, I of course, I think all leadership is shows through during adversity for sure. Uh, Keola Mark says Mike McDaniel said that one thing he learned early on as the Miami head coach was that he needed to give Tua more freedom. Andy Reid does the same thing. Yeah, and Jimmy has none. It's like no audibles and throw to the first read. And even if you do, and if you don't, even if you complete the pass, I'm going to get mad. Maybe not at you, but your quarterback coach. I'm going to let Brian Greasy have it. <laughs> Which again is passive aggressive. Right. Jesse Wade says, why hasn't an ex-player ever called Kyle out for being a poor leader? This In this day and age, I'm sure one would have if he wasn't a good leader. Ooh. His dad's been called out. And I see a lot of similarities between him and his dad. Go, go read the Jake Plummer stuff on Mike Shanahan. And you tell me if that sounds at all like Kyle, because how many ex-players exactly like vouch for his leadership? I mean, I've heard a lot of people say he's hella smart. He's a great coach. He's a legit genius. Yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. 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 But they all say, yeah, he's kind of negative, but you can't let that get to you. Well, okay. Like he's Belichick or something. We we kind of we actually kind of have heard this from Jimmy Garoppolo's camp. Jimmy again going Jimmy. into last last off season when they had drafted Lance, you didn't hear anything from Jimmy, and then all of a sudden before he started going on his little you know promotional mm-hmm. tour before the season started, his camp came out and said that they feel like Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers have not given Jimmy a fair shake. Well, if you're as good of a communicator as you said you were in those press conferences, we walked him through every step of the way. Jimmy knows what we think of him. Jimmy, Jimmy's great. Jimmy's that. Well, obviously, he didn't feel that way. He didn't feel yeah. that way. You didn't yeah. communicate it that way, and his team didn't feel that way. So, uh, Jamal says, Ooh, Mason Steven kind Jackson. of reminds me of Steven Jackson. Y'all think I'm crazy for that comp? Curious what you think. Keep up the great work, guys. Um, I don't think you're crazy. Jamal, Steven Jackson is one of the most underrated running backs in NFL history. I think he's one of, I want to say, 14 running backs that have had at least seven seasons over 1,000 yards. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's I like the, I like the comp a lot. I think anywhere you comp him to has to have dreads. But I don't – He's Steven Jackson was huge. He was 6'2", 240. I'm going to give another outrageous comp. This is where comping him to really good running backs. Marshawn. Yeah. Oh, Marshawn. I, I, I tweeted it Marshawn. the other day. I agree. You did? You tweeted yeah. he's more like Marshawn? Yeah. Dude, he's about, he's about, he's built just like Marshawn. And he runs kind of like Marshawn. I don't know if he has Marshawn's burst, like what he had when he was 24, 25. But uh, I'm going to say he's like Marshawn. He, he's really, he runs really freaking hard. He runs angry. He's got that angry running. Marshawn. How big was. Uh, yeah, LeGarrette Blount was a little bit bigger, too. Yeah. Jamal, hit me up. DM me. I'll be there before the game. I'll be there three hours before the game. We can meet up. Jason says, range should affect the Dolphins' pass game. It should. But now the Niners are a run for or a pass-first team, too. They're, they were the 18th in yards per carry. Yeah, See, they're down there. Yeah. See, Turley says, how bad of a look is it the Dolphins blow out the Niners like the Chiefs did for Kyle? That can't happen. It would be a terrible look. There's a lot of pressure. Oh, we're going to talk about happen. that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That'll be a terrible look. Another wasted third round running back. Shake my head. Says David Hasselhoff. Well, maybe yeah, give him a chance, but I don't. The Hoff watches us. That's crazy. Seth says when Trey comes back in the playoffs, it will be a movie. 
Buccaneers four seed at Philly, Niners three seed at Minnesota, Kyle and Trey homecoming. Seth, Seth, we'll see. But I wanted to point something out. So they have two more IR spots they can bring back. They have not put Elijah Mitchell on IR yet, which makes me feel like they're trying to save spots for Javon Kinlaw and Trey Lance, right? Right? 100%. 100%. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. There you go. David says, let's play the what-if game. If Jimmy hit Sanders in the Super Bowl, who would have the bronze statue in front of Levi's? Moster for hitting all those home runs or Greenlaw for the tackle? It would be Jimmy because they like his face. 100%. Yeah, but he didn't. But, yeah, it's a good question. All right, back to our show. Will Eric Armstead bring the 49ers defense to new heights? Jesse. I think the answer to this is a resounding yes. I don't know if it'll happen immediately. I think he can have an impact immediately, but the stat that just keeps jumping out to me is the one that they said during the game Sunday. Third down and short, 49ers are worse than the league. And if you look at the third down completion rate against the 49ers, I think that's where Eric Armstead can make the biggest difference. Not only on the third down itself, but making sure that teams are not getting ahead of the sticks on first and second down. Because Eric Armstead is a really, really good run defender, and they've done okay against the run. They've done fine against the run, but they haven't played really good running teams when Eric's been out, except for the Falcons, and we saw what the Falcons did. So I think Eric Armstead really is a true difference maker for this team. He can do so much, and he also can get pressure up the middle, which is, especially if you have a quarterback that is not super mobile, that is like the biggest pain point for quarterbacks that are kind of statues. If you can get pressure right up the middle and right in their face, it is a problem. Eric can do all of those things. I think Eric Armstead, if healthy, certainly can bring this defense to completely new heights. Keyword, if healthy. Key term, if healthy. Yes. If he's 100% healthy, absolutely. Like Even though their defense has been dominant the last month and haven't hasn't given up a, po- a point in the second half in the last four games, they haven't had much of a pass rush. And they haven't faced a good offense since Kansas City when they got eviscerated. And when they played Kansas City, they didn't have Eric Armstead. They had no pass rush, and they got eviscerated. So, yeah, if they have Armstead, he doesn't get a lot of sacks, but he creates a lot of pressure. He creates a lot of knockback, and the quarterback has to move, and then he moves into Nick Bosa, and it works. Um, My question is, what is the state of Eric Armstead's health? The Niners have been very vague. They have not said what's going on. I mean, they finally said he has plantar fasciitis in one foot and then a stress fracture in the in the other ankle. So my question is, is this something that is going to necessarily clear up on its own or the Niners are trying to manage it and he needs surgery? They're not going to answer that question. And if it's, if it's that, then what percentage of Armstead are you getting? How many games of him are you getting? I mean, we have no idea. You know what I mean? What what his health level is. So in theory, 100% Armstead will take the... Absolutely! But, dude, we don't know if he's ever going to be there. We don't know if he needs surgery. He hasn't played... I mean, he got hurt first play of training camp, missed the whole thing. Came back, got hurt like second game, third game. I, he's been healthy for like two weeks. The other guy who was like that this year was Elijah Mitchell, who's hurt again. So I don't really know what to expect from from Eric Armstead. And the way I think, based on what's happened to him since 
July 30th or whatever is anything you get from him is gravy. Uh, you can't count on anything and anything you get, just say thank you. Thank you. If he plays this week and it all indications are he's going to do that and they're presumably mm-hmm. going to have him on a pitch He was count. limited today. We'll see. He was limited today. Yeah, he looks uh, we'll see. pretty. We'll see. A, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. But if you're limited on Wednesday, that's usually a pretty good sign. I think he'll he'll probably play. Let's let's, let's assume he plays. And he's on a pitch count. We'll see. Yeah, I think okay. which, which would be a fair assumption. Pitch count, whatever. Third down, I think, is a down that he should play. And a, the main reason for that is Tua's right. six foot. Tua's not big. And Eric Armstead is six foot seven mm-hmm. with a huge wingspan. They want to get the ball out quick. Tua, much like Jimmy, likes to hit that back foot, fire it out, immediately hit that first read. A lot of times it's a dig around 10 to 15 yards downfield for that Miami offense. Well, if you have six foot seven with an arm up in front of you, might be just enough to get him to move off that read or change his arm angle or question if he can make that throw over a six foot seven player. Might be enough to get a couple sacks. I think not for Armstead, but for some of the guys around him. I think. If he's on a pitch count, I'm playing him primarily on third downs. Yeah, and I think Armstead is so vital to this game because if the Niners don't have a dominant pass rush against Miami, Miami's offense is legit. It's really, really good. And I think the only way you slow it down is by is the pressure. And the Niners have the personnel to do it with Armstead. If he if he's not out there, we've seen what teams can do we saw what Kansas City did against Nick Bosa so very important for him to play well but again like this isn't necessarily a must win game for the 49ers it's an intriguing game but if they lose this game they're still gonna make the playoffs most likely and they could they could you know have a statement win sometime down the line but um yeah Arm said if he plays well they win probably probably Greenlaw won't have longevity. He t- tackles too violent. That's kind of random, but um, yeah. He gets nicked up too. But at the same time, you can't have a guy on his second contract start making business decisions and playing different. You need him to play the way he did to get the contract. So it's football, as they say. 49ers uh, defense needs, player, needs players just like Greenlaw. I'll tell you. If you, have, if you can physically impose your will on the defensive side of the ball, you start to see offensive players make those business decisions. Legendary answers. Niners says, I just want an apology from the faithful for the crucifixion of Raheem Mostert. He cleared it up and he's in our history for the Al Bundy, which is four touchdowns in a single game. Show respect. Legendary. I I agree. I didn't go crazy with it. I first heard about it in the post game that I was doing on my channel Sunday. And immediately the first thing I said was that doesn't sound like Raheem. That does not sound like a Raheem Mostert thing to do. That was my personal opinion. He's just never struck me as that type of guy. Jesse, is this game against the Dolphins the most important game left on the 49ers schedule? Yeah, 100%. 100% it is. And the reason that I say that, Grant, okay, let's look at worst-case scenario. They lose and they get blown out. And then they go and win the rest of their games. Who is going to actually believe that, A, this defense is for real because the two elite offenses they played, they got shellacked and they got a lot of points put up on them. And B, what good teams have you beaten in this league? 
you're not battle tested at all. I'm not saying they have to win this game, but it, their defense has to show something this game. They have to show that they can keep this tight because mm. Miami is a very good team. I do think they're going to win this game, but this is the only game to me that shows where they are at. This is a true litmus test as you ramp up going into the playoffs. If you lose this game and you lose it badly and you win the rest of your games, I still don't trust you as a team. I do not think that you're ready to make a run. And I think there are plenty of teams in the playoffs that will probably beat you. But if you win this game, I'm starting to believe. And I think everybody around the world will start to believe that the 49ers can do it. But I promise you, if they lose this game and they lose it badly, the narrative will not be good for this team, regardless of what they do the rest of the season until they start winning in the playoffs. True. But if they lose this game and it's close, like it comes down to the last, it's a, it's a field goal. Um, I mean, this is a team, you could say these are two really good teams. And it came down to the end. And, you know, there's no guarantee the Niners ever face the, the Dolphins again. They just have to take care of business in the NFC, which sucks, and then eventually face whatever team comes in the AFC, which may not be Miami. It could be Buffalo, who the Niners haven't faced yet. Or it could be yet. Kansas City. Who, that, I was trying to not to say Kansas City. But, yeah, it, that's true. I mean, it's a big game. I th- to me, it's intriguing because, you know, who's more creative, Kyle or Mike? Um, can Mike show the rest of the league how to attack D'Amico? There's a lot of – it's like the storylines are phenomenal. But, you know, it's not a conference matchup. Um, both teams are going to make the playoffs regardless. It'll be interesting to see what the Niners do against Tampa, a team they could face round one. It'll be interesting to see what they do against Washington, a team they could face round one. Seattle. All th- You could argue the next three games after this are like more – meaningful I think it's a really meaningful four game stretch but uh it's the beginning of I mean it's hard to, to rank them but it's definitely a game that everyone wants to watch so yeah I just I, I feel charged. like if if they lose this game similar to let's say the way that they lost to Baltimore in 2019 Ooh, that, okay. that wouldn't that wouldn't be terrible but if they but the lose Kansas it City the way game. they lost to Kansas City this all year bad. yeah all bad all, all bad, bad. F you, Joe Boo, I do it myself, says, rewatch the Saints game and Jimmy was under siege. Saints D bailed out, balled out. Wish we had a genius offensive-minded head coach to creatively game plan. Yeah, uh, you'd have to say that Dennis Allen, the coordinator, got the best of Kyle Shanahan, the coordinator, even though Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, beat Dennis Allen, the head coach. Yeah, they did their thing. They definitely Jason, did their thing. Yeah, Jason says uh, Mostert made his bed. He can lay it in now. All right, man. Well, Okay. There's you. plenty of other dolphins that are still talking. I'll say that, and Moster doesn't seem talking? to be one of them. What's wrong with talking? I like talking. I like. I like. You like I UFC, right? Like You're supposed it's to making this week really fun. I think it's great. They should do it more. Ramon Clark says it may not, it may not be a must win game, but the Niners must show that they can compete with teams like Miami. They lose this game, and everyone will question everything about the team. Yeah, I will. Me right here. I'll do it. True. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say this. Even if they lose a close one, Grant, but they give up thirty plus. There's still okay. going to be a lot of good. That's also all bad for the 49ers because now yeah. all of a sudden this vaunted defense isn't so vaunted in the eyes of a lot of teams around the league. That's true. The two good offenses they face, they got, you know, had their way with them. Paul Third says, anything to take away from when McDaniel's offense went against Salah's defense? Looks like the previous knowledge of this offense favored the Jets. That was a third string quarterback for the Dolphins. Um, Here's an interesting stat. Some people probably know, but there are some that may not. 
the Dolphins are undefeated with two uh, starting and finishing games this year. They're eight. That's what I wanted to say. We, we, we I was going to save that for later, but they're eight and one with Tua, and the one loss is when he got knocked out. Mm-hmm. Like, do not sleep yep. on this team. Yep. You know the Niners could beat him, but that would be the first time that someone's really done this without knocking Tua out. Yep. Is it because if Tua hadn't gotten knocked out of that game, they would have won that game. Oh, they were they were looking like they were going to win that game. Yeah. Um, Clayton says Jimmy three games versus NFC East, five hundred twelve yards, two interceptions, two fumbles, one pass TD, one rush TD. Playoff projections are versus Washington, Dallas, Philly, and Super Bowl versus Kansas City, Cincinnati. Yikes! Cincinnati would be great, but everyone else, those are tough. Dallas is a tough matchup, man. It's a really good pass rush they got. Yeah, Kansas City and Buffalo are still the teams that I would prefer to avoid. <laughs> All right. Um, what are the matchups you're looking forward to this Sunday, Jesse? There's a lot of matchups that I'm looking forward to in this game. All right, first one I'll throw out. We'll, we'll go back and forth till we run out. Uh, Charvarius Ward versus Tyreek Hill, former teammates. These are guys that went against each other a ton in practice. They know everything about each other. Charvarius Ward is having an amazing season. And Tyreek Hill is having a historic season. So between the two of them, I think that will be an interesting matchup to watch play out on Sunday. It is funny. You say Charvarius Ward versus Tyreek Hill, like the Niners are going to get their way with that matchup. The way I look at it is (laughs) Jimmy Ward versus Tyreek Hill. Because what McDaniel, I would think what McDaniel's going to try to do is move Tyreek into the slot and get that matchup against the safety who's playing out of position. And what are the Niners going to do? Are they going to make Traverius travel? Are they going to try to play straight up with Jimmy? I know what they should do, but I think I know what I also think I know what they're going to do, and I think that favors the Dolphins. So I'm curious to see how long, you know, who dictates that matchup. I think they're going to try to get Jimmy Ward on Tyreek. Nothing against Jimmy I Ward; he hasn't given up any touchdowns or anything like that. But like, he's given up like an 80 percent completion percentage right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see that at all. No. At all. Um, so I guess you're not looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that because no, I'm an asshole. No, that's Sorry. not what I'm looking forward to Sorry. at all. No, not at yeah. all. Uh-huh. Uh, I will say these running backs for Miami, former running backs of the 49ers against the linebackers of San Francisco. I think mm-hmm. that is going to be a fun one to watch because we know, especially Moser, can get loose and break one. Jeff Wilson is also pretty explosive. I think we can say that as well. And Fred Warner and Greenlaw and Aziz, that's going to be a fun one to watch for me as well. How about, I'm cheating a little bit here, but how about Talanoa Hafunga versus Mike McDaniel? You know, Mike Mike doesn't know Talanoa so well. And Talanoa is the X factor on this defense. You know, he'll either force the turnover or give up a big play. And so far, there's been a lot more turnovers forcing than big plays allowed. But... McDaniel is the genius, or so we've been led to believe. Is he going to be able to take advantage of Talanoa, or is Talanoa going to continue to have a great year? That'll be an interesting chess match. One's instinctive, one's genius. Can you use the instincts against him? I'm curious. I like that one. Miami also has a really good safety from Oregon, Javon Holland. He went to my high school. He, oh, did he really? Bishop O'Dowd, Oakland-born. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a hell of a player. I think him versus Kittle can be a fun matchup that we can watch. And I think it's a matchup, especially if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play a lot. That's a matchup we might see an awful lot as well. Yeah. 
um, what else do I want to say? Oh, this is what I'm looking forward to, but I don't think Niner fans are. Mike McGlinchey versus Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I'd like to see that one. <laughs> God, I hate you so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. What you got, Mike? Uh, all right. Last one I have is Mike McDaniel versus D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico, of course. Duh. That is going to be a yeah. fun chess match to watch for sure. Absolutely. Because, frankly, the last time D'Amico had a challenge like this, he got obliterated by Andy Reid. So, time to redeem himself. He's always, always has. I, he's never. So, I want to see what he's got. But he does because, know this offense inside and out. He definitely does. So, there's D'Amico no, there's not going to be surprises. Yep. So, those are some. Unless they jet sweep him to death. They could. They, I mean, that's what Tyrese's been doing that for a long time. I hope a defense has a hit list this week. Man, you can't say that. You're not allowed to say that. Sean oh, Payton got, gate. can't do that. Dave Barclay says predictions yet over and under rush pass yards. We're getting there. We're getting there. But I'm saving my prediction for, for Friday just for content to sake. Jacob I'll says give, love the I'll give my prediction tonight on my channel when I go behind enemy lines with a Dolphins content creator. I love that. Uh, Jacob says love the content. What is your schedule for your live streams? Or you just go live randomly. I always show up later. Miss them. Um. Okay, I'll try my best. I usually go eleven o'clock on Monday with Ryan. Usually three o'clock on Monday with Larry. Usually eleven o'clock on Tuesday with my pops. Um. Usually nine a.m. on Wednesday with Jose. Six o'clock, uh, Wednesday with Jesse. Nine a.m. Thursday with Eric Crocker. Uh, Friday's a wild card. Usually Saturday's cone phone. Sunday's the game. So that's usually what happens. But I I could throw in some extras. Every once in a while. It's usually what You've happens. actually stuck to a pretty good schedule this year. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Oh, thank you for my organization. Um, Jesse says, so what happens if we put it on him? Then what? Then that's great. That's <laughs> then then they've made a statement, Jesse. They've made a statement. That's why, that's why Dallas I said. And Philly. Yeah. That's why I said it's the most important game. Yeah. But, I mean, if you can beat Miami, doesn't mean that you can beat Dallas and Philly. Not to be a jerk, but I'm just saying, like, it's just an answer. Oh, for sure. But it's cool. For sure. It's, it's, it's cool. Good luck, Niners. Hope you all make it all the way, says a, a Raiders fan. That's very nice. Oh, look at that. Look at the dogs and cats being friends. He's a David Vegas Brown. Raiders fan, so there's yeah. no way he's from Oakland. <laughs> I want to see 69 versus anyone. Take him out, please. Hilarious. Yeah, well, I've been trying for years. All right. So the Niners have won four games in a row. The Dolphins have won five games in a row. Which win streak would you say is more fraudulent? Ooh. Man, I think you can make a good case for both. And knowing that you're a Niner hater, Grant, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with the Dolphins, and and here's why. So the Dolphins, during their win streak, have averaged 30.2 points per game. Mm. Before that win streak, I know a couple of those weeks were without Tua, but before that win streak... They went over 30 points just one time in the previous seven games. Mm. So that offense went from one time over 30 to averaging 30 during this five-game win streak. But if you look at the 49ers, the strength of the 49ers is their defense. Mm. They've averaged giving up 10 points per game during their win streak. But if you look at the first four games of the season, they had a similar stretch where they only gave up 11.25 points per game. So... Their defense has held up multiple points throughout this season. The Dolphins' offense, which is what everybody fears, they've been great during this win streak. But ultimately, 
before this win streak, one time over 30, I think theirs might be a little bit more fluky because both of these teams have had a relatively easy schedule throughout their four and five game win streaks. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, still, I think the Niners win streak is more fraudulent. Uh, I, I knew it. <laughs> I think it's more fraudulent. I mean, look, like as you pointed out, the the Dolphins are essentially undefeated when Tua starts and finishes the game. So if you want to say that their offense is overrated or not as good as it looks the last few weeks, fine. But the totality of what they have to offer as a team is kind of like un, unfazed. Like no one's kind of figured out what to do other than knock out the quarterback at this point. And you can't really say that about the Niners. So like this team has beaten Buffalo and Baltimore. The Niners don't have a, a wins like that on their on their resume. So I'm looking at their, I mean, their last five wins, uh, yeah, Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, Texans. Yeah, like nothing special there. It's not their fault. They didn't face anyone better. But what I do want to say, looking ahead to this matchup, is when this offense, to your point, the Dolphins have faced good defenses. New England, not Baltimore, but New England, Buffalo, uh, the Jets. Um, well, the Jets, they didn't have their quarterback. But Pittsburgh. So let's do that. New England, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. I'm looking at 20 points, 21 points. 16 points yep. so if the Niners defense is not a total barrage and I don't think they are I don't see Miami scoring more than 20 points this weekend yeah I, I and I agree I think that that's certainly something that we are probably going to see and that's why again it would be concerning if Miami goes 30 plus because we've see seen happening. other defenses see hold them down yeah I don't, I, don't I don't either I don't either especially happening. if it's raining especially yeah. if it doesn't raining. mean the Niners will win, but it means that if they score 21, they just might. So, we'll see. Well, I, I would say they have a good chance because on the flip side, the 49ers average around 23 points a game scored, and Dolphins give up 23 points a game. So, Unfortunately, I, I think the there's likelihood... Stupid, there's that weird stat where they're like, if, it, if it's against non-division opponents, they're averaging true. like 18. That's true. So, this would be a good time for them to show that that's a, a bogus stat. Yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. yeah. It's time to play the over-under game. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, I just dominated this every week. I don't care. Just I so keep, good. I, I, don't, I don't care how much I lose, but I'm going to go down swinging. I don't care. <laughs> we had seven differences last week. I won six of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's embarrassing. All oh. right. All right. Let's, let's keep it going. We're going to do – I like this one because last week we did it or two weeks ago we did it, and I kind of like just going full offense and defense. We'll we'll get back into the players eventually, but right now, full offense, full defense. So, offense, over or under 30.5 rushing attempts for the 49ers in this game. Under. Oh. Okay. I'm going to go over. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> under. I don't know what, what they're going to get from McCaffrey. I don't know how much they trust their young running backs. Uh, I think they know it's going to be a high-scoring game or they're prepared for it, and I think they're going to have a pass-first approach. So, You know who needs to break out this game? They've had a pass-first approach the last two games, too. What? You know who needs to break out in a big way this game? Mike McGlinchey. Debo Samuel. Oh, it would be great. He's having he an needs... atrocious year by his standards. Yep. He needs yep. to probably get five to seven carries. And get around 10 touches. He has to have a big game, in my opinion, for them to win. Yep. All right. Debo, you listening? So then, who? Debo, are you listening? 
I know you oh, blocked yeah. me on Twitter, but I know you also watch me on YouTube. So what's up? <laughs> okay. So I think we're going to have an opposite thought on this one because I'm going to go over under 30.5 pass attempts for the offense. Over. Okay. I'll go under. Okay. Here we go. I like this. It's a good start to the game. So we're far. cooking. We're cooking. Over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Over or under two and a half total touchdowns for this offense. Under. Ooh. No, you didn't see that coming. You I'll go over. See that coming. I'm going two over. And a half. So you're saying three touchdowns for the offense? They're going to get three oh, touchdowns. Give me, give me the under. Give me that. All right. That's three differences. I like this. There you go. Okay. Over or under one and a half sacks given up this game. Over. There's going to be a lot of dropbacks. And Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Over. <laughs> Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Man. Let's give a fourth difference. Come on. You don't want to agree with me. You don't want I'm going to go under. Me. I'm wrong. There you go. I'm going go. under. There you going go. under. You, you know what? We're going to make this one fun. Let's just do it all different. <laughs> Let's go. There you go. Over or under 0.5 turnovers on offense. Huh. I'm going to say over because it's raining. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on this one. <laughs> it's raining. I, it's raining. It's, it's absolutely. Raining. If Most it's raining, raining. 100%, yeah. 100%. Both teams. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's okay. switch to the defensive side. And not bad. I mean, four differences. That's not bad. Okay. I'm trying to get back in this. I'm probably like down, like I'm like 18 questions back from you in the standings. Yeah. Well, I'm just doing week by yeah. week. You're, you're about five weeks behind. You, oh, I just take losses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Defense. Either way you slice it, it's not good, but I keep going. Yeah, it's not, no, it's, it's not looking it's good not for good. you. It's not good. It's not looking good, but no, anything but can happen. There's, there could you be playoffs. Be the if the Niners get to the playoffs, my, 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 my season extends if, if Kyle, if they make the playoffs. Absolutely. I don't have to force it. They force it. So that I'm rooting for the 49ers to win just so I can come back in this. And the games are double in the playoffs. That's what I heard. Double. Oh, <laughs> I've also heard that. I've also heard, heard that. that. Heard yep, that. I've heard that. And <laughs> listen, Kyle Shanahan started three and five. They made the playoffs last year. Grant it's all Cohen about starting start. slow. I try yeah. to start slow just to lower expectations. It's who's peaking going into the playoffs. And it sounds like clearly that I'm peaking. You. These are some great answers I'm giving today. <laughs> All right, defense over under 280.5 passing yards given up. 280? 280. 280 under. Who has gone over 300 like every single week? This guy goes crazy. Okay. okay. All right, maybe I'm tripping. I'm saying under. In the rain? I don't think so. In the Maybe rain. Is this defense? Yeah. I don't think so. In the rain. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Although, oh, man. Mahomes went for 400 plus on him. He, he did. It was a really nice day, though. It was, it was crisp it was. and clear. It was nice. All right, I'll go under as well. Okay. Convinced over you. under two and a half touchdowns given up total versus the Dolphins. Under. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Am I the only person that thinks it's going to be a low-scoring game? I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it consider. I mean, what's low scoring? I think low twenties is pretty low scoring. Low, uh, you know, lower. I'll probably be in there. Oh, you think it's going to be in the teens? Lower. I don't know. You think Seven to be, six. I'm just kidding. Two to zero. Yeah. <laughs> One to nothing. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna go under as well. Under two and a half touchdowns given up by the defense. Okay. 
Here's a good one because third down percentage has been an issue for the 49ers this year. Over under 45% third down percentage given up. Given up? So does does Miami complete on 45% of their conversions? Even, I'll throw this out there, even the Cardinals got 50% of theirs against the Niners. Yeah, but Armstead's playing. Under. And it's raining. It's rain. Precipitation. <laughs> Everything comes back to the rain. Precipitation. I hey, would, man, how bad is the Niners offense when it rains? Because they refuse to practice with wet, with wet footballs. Can't wait for that factor. They'll go, to the, they'll go to freaking Colorado Springs to prepare for the altitude. But if it's raining at home, they're like, hey, man, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. Especially, that was a weird one, because especially, I think, scientifically, it's either 10 or 14 days for your body to acclimate to the higher altitude. And they, so and they really smoked made no the Cardinals, so they made it seem like it was all, you know, it worked. But it was like, dude, you're going to, you, 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 you were going to smoke the Cardinals on a train, in a plane, <laughs> within a box with a fox. Like, in any, any circumstance, you would have smoked the Cardinals. That was a cat in the hat game. All I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss Cohen. No, that's it. a okay. ham, that's not cat in the hat. It's it's a green eggs and ham. It's a green eggs and ham yeah. game. Green Sam eggs and I ham. Am. Sam I am. Yes. All right. Over under. I'm gonna go over 45. percent They give up, which is not necessarily good, but they've Cynical. done fine. You're a hater, but that, everyone knows you're a hater. Yeah. No, I it, again. The interesting thing is somehow people like to talk themselves that you are a fan, and then they say that I'm a fake fan. This is the strangest dynamic we have here. It's crazy. I'm gonna right, go up to over, Trent. Tell, I'm gonna go up to Trent Williams in the locker room and tell him that I know you. Hey, you saw that you guy? Should. That's my friend. That's my, that's my hey, friend. you know that internet bandit you were talking about? Yeah, that's my you, friend. Anything you want? Anything you want to say to him? That's my homie. I'll tell him. <laughs> God. <laughs> Over or under two and a half sacks given up. Or uh, two and a half sacks for the defense, sorry. I want to say over. Because if it's under, I don't know if they win this game. So I'm going to say over. I'm not saying I'm picking the Niners. I'm not trying to give away my pick or anything. But Armstead over, might play for them as well. Their Armstead might play, which is will he? crazy. To, That's yeah. good. Yeah, he's yeah. going to try to strap it up and give it a go. Yeah, I... McDaniels talks like he is, but I don't know that... McDaniel almost... okay. You know when when Kyle Shanahan talks about George Kittle? Anytime mm-hmm. George Kittle has like a three-week injury, and we know it's a three-week injury, but week one, oh, he's tough as nails. He's going to uh-huh. give it a go. Uh-huh. We know uh-huh. George, and then he never plays. That's the but, way he's talking about Teron Armstead. But doesn't that kind of sound like how they're talking about Christian McCaffrey right now? Oh. Now, that being said, I saw McCaffrey in the locker room today. He looked fine. He looked fine. So if he doesn't play... I'd have to wonder, like, what's up, dude? Because I'll never forget that he didn't play in his final college game. He made a business decision in college. I mean, that's that's amazing. You, you made a business decision when you were 21? You weren't even making money? So did you make a business decision now? What's going on? He looked fine. I, I would think he could be able to play in this game. And I'm not a doctor. But I, I saw him walking around. He looked all right. He looked all right. That's my medical assessment of Christian McCaffrey. He looked, <laughs> he looked all right. <laughs> yeah. What is what does this chart say? Uh, looks like he had <laughs> nah, a knee you, injury you in twenty one. He looked all right. He looked all right. He's fine. I'll say this: knee injuries can be a finicky thing, and a lot of times you can walk in a straight line and look just fine. But the moment fair you enough. cut, that thing will give out. So who fair knows? Fair enough. Fair enough. But okay, he looked I'm all right, gonna. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he looked tight. I'm going to go over two and a half sacks as well. All right, last one. Over, under 0.5 turnovers created for the 49ers. Over. It's raining. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. End of story. I, I agree with I agree Yeah, with you. that's right. <laughs> rain. Rain factor. Yeah. All right. So give me are you no oh, if you want to know Jesse's prediction, tune into his show after this. If you want to know my yeah. prediction, wait till Friday. I need to see Eric Armstead. Content creator from the Miami Arms Dolphins over at Last Game Sports. There you go. You t- Eric Armstead is going to be questionable, right? He's going to be questionable. Of course he will be, but he'll play. Yeah, and McCaffrey will be questionable, but we don't know if he'll play. Yeah, but he looked not, I have no idea. Yeah, hard to say. Well, I'll make you wait till Friday. I don't even know. Uh, the one thing that scares me about the Finns is that they're a second-half offense, and with that speed, they could gas out our defense the second half. That's fair. Also, the defense is still really tired from coming back from Mexico City, according to the, the spreadsheet. The whole team is exhausted. So tired. Just kidding. Yeah. Oh, I don't. The rain, man. The rain. It's going to rain. Rain is exhausting. <laughs> you know, it rains in the forecast. Yeah. The rain in Spain falls mainly in the plains. That's what I heard. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Full green and green eggs and ham on us in the show. That's fantastic. <sighs> well, you know what, guys? This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was a great show. I want you to tune into Jesse tonight. Tonight. So you can see who he is picking for this game. In Watch two minutes, tonight. actually. Two. See you guys.